welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Father, I am grateful to be a vessel that you are using this morning. Holy Spirit, minister through me and to me. We are seated before you, for it is not by my, nor is it by power, but it is by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. So a few days ago, when Pastor Rod said to me, that you're preaching, <laughs> I said, okay, Pastor. Holy Spirit started to speak to me. It was just over there, actually. I was just standing there and listening. In fact, I was listening to uh, Pastor Graham, actually. And the Lord just said, light and darkness. I want you to talk about light and darkness. Not light and dark, but light and darkness. And I said, uh, okay, Lord. And the Lord, whenever he speaks to me, I get this, I've got things to say, step aside kind of thing. Okay? And that was one of these moments. And he began to just drop a few things into my heart at the time. So this is what we're going to talk about. This is what the Holy Spirit is going to minister to us about this morning. Light and darkness. Okay? So what is light? What is this wonderful way that we see everything? Within physics... They say that light is part of the electromagnetic spectrum and is defined as the electromagnetic radiation with a wavelength between 380 to 750 nanometers, which is visible light, which is a wavelength that we see everything. Now, the thing that's curious about light is that it is actually discrete packets of energy known as photons but it has a dual nature and in physics we call it wave particle duality it's both a wave it has energy and it's both a particle it has mass or weight now for light to happen, something has to be released. Photon energy has to be outputted. Okay? So something has to be released. So what is darkness? Darkness is not the polar opposite to light. It is the polar opposite to brightness, okay, is understood to be a condition of a very small amount of visible light. 
And in the case of total darkness, the absence of visible light altogether. Now you're probably wondering, why am I talking about visible light? Well, there is an analogy between that which occurs in the physical to that which occurs in the spirit. Now, light in the spirit is God. That's it. I might as well just go home now. Right? God is the absolute spiritual light. Right? God is absolute. There's no mixture in him. But the light of God symbolizes his absolute holiness, his absolute goodness, his absolute truth. Absolutes. No lie in him. Only goodness in him. Only holiness in him. In 1 John 1.5 it says this, And this is the message, the message of promise, which we have heard from him and now are reporting to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. No darkness. He is light. In 1 Timothy 6, 16, it goes further and it says this. Who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light? Unapproachable light. That means the magnitude is so intense that it cannot be approached. Now this is the light of God. The thing with the Lord is that he is sovereign and he rules over darkness and the powers of evil. So Satan, listen up. Our God rules over you. Every work of Satan, everything that he tries to do, everything that he succeeds in doing, God rules over it. To a believer, light is the revelation of God's love in Jesus Christ. And it is the penetration of that love into lives that have been darkened by sin. Okay? So that darkness is sinfulness and its work and the outpouring of sin in the world. In 2 Corinthians 4.6, in case you haven't noticed, there's going to be a lot of scriptures here. Okay? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts, so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God, as it is manifest in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So Jesus came 
as the light of the world, breaking through the darkness of sin by his work on the cross. Breaking through the darkness of sin by his work on the cross. It's finished. So what is spiritual darkness then? Spiritual darkness is the state of a person who is living apart from God. The darkness of separation from God is only overcome through Christ. Now, the whole point of this teaching, as we call it, is about that. As Christians, we are in light. We have Christ in here. So what is the issue? The issue is that the environment we live in is darkness. And the attitudes that we take on from the world are darkness. And God is absolute light. So we are forever seeking to remove layers of darkness. Whether we like it or not, there is nothing good in the flesh. Absolutely nothing. So, in terms of today, I'm not actually going to preach. I know you thought I was going to, but I'm not. The Lord just spoke and just said this, 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 this. Almost the same as he did last time I got up and spoke. He just downloaded what he wants. And I was looking at the things that the Lord said. And I put them together and I realized actually it's like a prophetic word broken down into bits. Okay? Now, I'm hoping we'll get through all of it, but we may not. So, God's opening statement to me as I stood over there was, I am light. This is the first slide, by the way. I am light. Satan causes the darkness. No big revelation there. But the way he said it, I am light. Not, I am the light, or I am a light. It's, I am light. So he's basically saying, outside of me, there is no light, no true spiritual light. Everything else is counterfeit. Not Buddha, not Allah, not Krishna, none of those guys. It's only Jehovah God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Israel that is light. Manifesting Jesus Christ. And we have to get that statement straight away. It's not your job. It's not your house. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. Light is God. Now what of this, this Satan... 
notice he's not darkness. He causes darkness. So Satan causes the environment and the world system so that man can live apart from and in opposition to God. So he creates the atmosphere whereby you can live apart from God in some way. And this is where the issue is. We as believers are hidden in Christ with God. We are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. But there is darkness operating in some aspects of our lives. We're not perfect. Our attitudes, we have issues. So Satan causing perverted morals and attitudes, causing everything to stir up the lust of the flesh through the gateway of man's eyes and ears is goading man to live in a life based on carnal pleasure. This is the darkness that he creates. And this is what God wants us to focus on today. He is a counterfeiter. And he opposes God in every single way. All right. So, as we've got in the scriptures here, John 8, 12 says this. Once more, Jesus addressed the crowd. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So Jesus is the light of the world. Okay? So he came into the world to bring light. And we see in John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world, so that whoever believes in me, whoever cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me, may not continue to live in darkness. So, we who cleave to Jesus are not supposed to continue to live in darkness. That includes arguments, criticisms, all kinds of bad thoughts, whatever it is that opposes God's word is darkness. So the next thing that the Lord said to me next slide, was that darkness does not precede light. Light precedes darkness. Darkness does not understand how light works. Now I always thought, in the beginning, God said, let there be light, right? Because the Holy Spirit was brooding over this darkness over the waters. Darkness was there. And God says, no. I am first. Light comes first. Darkness does not precede my light. And we see in John 1, 1 to 5, in the beginning, before all time, was the word Christ. And the word was with God. And the word was God himself. 
He was present originally with God. All things were made and came into existence through him. And without him was not even one thing made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines on in the darkness, for the darkness has never overpowered it, put it out, or absorbed it, or appropriated it, and is unreceptive to it. So light comes first. It precedes darkness. God's plan, what he wanted to do in the world, he said, let there be light, and he saw that the light was good. Everything that comes from God is good. His ideas, his plans are perfect. It's all worked out. So the next thing the Lord said was that the power of my light cannot be matched. And this, when I look back, I could tell that he was stating obvious things to me, but positioning my thinking. Okay? Now, I've got a couple of scriptures here. Well, one scripture and a, a list of scriptures according to some other things. So Romans 5, 20, 21 says this, Moreover, the Lord entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. No matter what the sin is, where it is in the world, how great it gets, grace will always be more. God's answer to the sinfulness of mankind, this rotten world opposed to God, is his grace. My grace is sufficient. My light cannot be matched. So that sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Satan is limited. Now I took time to find all the ways in which Satan is limited. I'm not going to go into all the scriptures, but I'm going to read out what he cannot do. And this is important, because often at times, something happens and we think, that's the devil. We hear bad news and we think, that's the enemy. But we need to understand what his limitations are. Number one, God is all-powerful, everywhere present, all-knowing. Satan is none of these things. Number two, when Satan goes to God, he has to bow. In Job, we see him coming in as an angel of light. He had to present himself before God. Lower. He had to seek an audience before the Lord. Every time he accuses one of our brethren, he has to seek an audience before the Lord. Satan 
Satan cannot tempt without God's permission. Every time you feel temptation pulling at you, God has to have allowed it. He will never allow you to be tempted more than what you can tolerate. Now that's a good thing, and it's a bad thing. It's a good thing because it will never get too much, but it's a bad thing because you're responsible for handling it. You cannot escape and say, it was not my fault, Lord, because it was. Okay, so Satan cannot influence nature without God's permission. He cannot physically harm without God's permission. He can't even kill without God's permission. Yeah, and I know everybody's thinking, well, how about cancer? How about all these rotten sicknesses that are in the world? Isn't he kidding that way? The answer is people do die from these things. People do die from accidents. People do die from illness. But still, God has to permit it. He has to permit it. Satan cannot touch at all without God's permission. He cannot lay one hair on your head without God allowing it. He can't even mention a believer's name. And this is the one that I just rejoiced at. When you read it in Job 2-3, God himself had to say, have you considered my servant Job? And of course, God knows that he can't consider, Satan can't consider any one of us without God releasing him to be able to do it. So the devil doesn't have my name unless the Lord says, okay, but only so much. He cannot force believers to do anything. He cannot read our thoughts. It's only God that knows what's in your heart. He does not know the future. He can see something's coming, but he does not know your future. Only God knows your future. He does not know what you dreamed. You may think, because you had some demonic, nasty dream, that Satan, he knew exactly what he was doing. He just broadcasts rubbish. And occasionally, we pick it up. He doesn't know what you dreamed. See this in Daniel 2, 27. I'm not going to read all this. There's too many scriptures. He's a coward. Wow. Submit yourself to God. Resist the enemy, and then he will flee. He will literally run away. He's a coward. He runs away. He flees. And the best one of all, we are victorious. In Christ, God always leads us to triumph. So Satan is limited. It's only God by his powerful light that is unlimited. He has no match. He has no equal. Okay. And then the Lord started to uh, talk about how we are. 
And he said, my people accept darkness because they don't understand my light or how to live in it. And this one took a while for me. We accept darkness because we don't understand. Now the Bible says in Hosea 4.6 that my people are destroyed or perish through lack of knowledge or lack of understanding. Because we don't understand the word of God. We don't understand all of the word of God and we don't have all of the revelation and we don't meditate enough on the word, we get partial understanding. One day the Lord said to me, in a quiet, gentle voice, he said, Deji, certain things should not have happened to you, but they did because of your lack of understanding. Now I said he said it in a gentle voice because he knew it would rock me. And I started to think, I'm not going to go into those things that have happened. But needless to say, it was of great concern. Certain things have happened in your life that should not have happened because you had a lack of understanding. Now, I was mature enough to take that on. But he was saying, start ringing alarm bells. We can't just leave the word on the table and not meditate on it. I thought, well, Lord, surely your will for me is always going to be played out. Yes, it will always be played out, but there are detours that happen because you don't understand and stuff happens. And then my Holy Spirit brings you back on track. But that stuff still happened because of your lack of understanding. In Luke 11, 34, 38, we see this. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye, your consciousness, your conscience is sound and fulfilling its office, your whole body is full of light. But when it is not sound and is not fulfilling its office, your body is full of darkness. Wow. Be careful, therefore, that the light that is in you is not darkness. Be careful that the light that is in you is not darkness. Which means we may not even know at times that what is actually operating, what's going on in us, is darkness. Now these could be thoughts, this could be stuff that we've been watching, people we've been listening to or things that we have not been listening to which is ministry and causing an environment of darkness we have to decide where we stand in terms of God's light and the darkness of the world there needs to be a clear demarcation between the lightness of Christ in us and darkness. Lord, help us. So the next thing the Lord said was, you create darkness 
when you do not bask in the light of my word, you create darkness. And I struggled with this one because I thought, well, isn't that only the enemy that's, that's doing that? And the Lord said, when you bask in, you stay immersed in. You meditate. It's like a habitation. You stay there and you get nourished by that word in terms of understanding. The light of the word is the truth of the word. Remember, light is truth. When Satan steals the word, you are left with lies. You're left with the same error you had previous. If you look at the parable of the sower, Jesus explained it. And he says this, Therefore hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So when you're sitting there listening to a message and you give it a passing thought, but you don't meditate on what has been said, you don't take it in to your heart and hold on to it, thinking about it, it's possible for Satan to come and snatch it. So the ways that you were thinking previous, the error remains. That causes darkness in our lives. Now I kind of, I don't say I, don't say I challenged it to the Lord, but I thought about that. And I thought, that's actually correct. Imagine you're thinking something. I don't know, it might be... Something about sex outside of marriage, which is fornication, right? And pastor preaches something and says, right, the Bible says sex outside of marriage is a sin. And then all of a sudden you choose to discount that. Satan steals that truth from you and you just say, okay, all right, I heard it, but no, nah, I'm going to continue going that way. The darkness that you previously lived in is now going to be worse. Because you now have full knowledge of the word. And you choose not to do. You choose not to allow your behavior to be corrected by the word. Thus creating darkness. And then the next one. The Lord said this, my light is pure, and this is very important, pure light always exposes darkness. And we see in Ephesians 5.13, but when anything is exposed and reproved by the light, it is made visible and clear. And where everything is visible and clear, there is light. So the Lord is saying, Whenever you get into his light, it will expose all the darkness. It's like going into a dark room and switching the light on. You can then begin to clear up the room. If you can see what's wrong, 
the word will show you how. My light is pure. So there's no amount of error in the word of God. So it's not like you'll follow it and you'll get it wrong. It's correct. There's no error in it. It's pure. The next thing the Lord said was, you have a light. The light of Christ in you causes you to shine. So let your light so shine. And I love this. You have a light. God puts a light in you. So go and shine. Jesus describes his disciples as light and light bearers. In Matthew 5, 14 to 16, it says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a peck measure, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble and good deeds and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light so shine. Now the problem is, we don't do that. We sit at work or we sit at home and we don't allow our testimony to be heard. Or we don't allow the knowledge of the word that we have to be taught. Why do we do that? Because we don't want to put ourselves out. We don't want to be embarrassed. Meanwhile, the Lord is saying, let that light shine. The seriousness of this situation is that if we don't let our light shine, what happens? Darkness. 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 If every Christian did not shine, there would be darkness. And this is another issue that the Lord was pointing out. The scripture says, let your light so shine. And then the Lord said to me, my light has power to produce more light. I'm not going to read all of this scripture, but needless to say, we're to go out there and make disciples. So the light that God has put in you, the light of Christ, can be replicated. It's replicated how? By sharing the gospel, leading people to Christ, teaching and training and making disciples. My light has power to produce more light. And then the next thing he said was, you have no time for life outside of my light. You must live constantly in the light in order to make the best use of the time you have to shine. You have no time for life outside of my light. 
Ephesians 5, 14, 16 says this. Therefore, he says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall shine. Make day dawn upon you and give you light. Look carefully then how you walk. Live purposefully and worthily and accurately, not as the unwise and witless, but as wise, sensible, intelligent people making the very most of the time, buying up each opportunity because the days are evil. And we'll get on to that. The days are evil. If they were saying it in the day that this scripture was written, those days were evil. What are the days now? If the days were evil then, what's happening outside in our street? The levels of wickedness compared to the levels of righteousness. If you compare today to what was transpiring at the time this was written, shocking. Okay, the next one. Knowledge of my word increases your ability to see through darkness. My light is there to stop you from stumbling and falling. The more light you have, the less your feet will stumble. So again, in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is the guiding light that stops us from tripping over. The more knowledge of the word you have, the more sound your steps will be. The more sound your steps are, the faster you will move. The faster you move, the more ground you will cover. The more ground you will cover, the quicker you'll finish your race. Finish well. The key to running the race quickly is the knowledge of God's word. Life is going to challenge you, but the word of God will cause you to prevail. The light you have must guide your feet, stop you from stumbling. In 1 John 3, 10, 11, it says, Whoever loves his brother or believer abides, lives in the light, and in it or in him there is no occasion for stumbling or cause for error or sin. But he who hates, detests, despises his brother in Christ, so this is in the church now, this is amongst us, is in darkness and walking, living in the dark. He is straying and does not perceive or know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. This is in the body of Christ. When you behave in such a way that you detest your brother or your sister annoys you because she didn't like your dress or you didn't invite her to a party, you enter into walking in darkness. That's what that says. I know I've painted it in the worst light, but that is what that says. You start to walk in darkness when you operate by that kind of behavior. 
This is why we've got to love each other through all of the nonsense. We've got to treat each other with respect and love and tenderness. And we've got to be our brother's keeper. There is no way that we can avoid this unless we do that. And the next one. Now, this was a one for me. And I wrote a bit differently there, but this is basically what the Lord said. Tell them that darkness is coming. Indeed, the night is already closing in. That is much greater than they have ever seen. But they must learn to shine in it for all men to see. Darkness is coming. Now, I'm not scaremongering or trying to bring fear. But this should be of no surprise. But the Spirit of the Lord is saying, darkness is coming. In fact, night is already at hand. The times that we're looking at are going to be times of great trial for Christians. The era of happy, clappy Christians might be over. And I really believe that we are going to be challenged seriously, even to the point of in our homes, not just at work, but in our homes, in the street. We must learn to shine in the midst of that. This is what the Lord is saying. And Isaiah 60, 2 to 5, says it all. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and dense darkness all peoples but the Lord shall arise upon you, Jerusalem, and his glory shall be seen on you. All nations shall come to your light, and kings to the righteousness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about you and see. They will gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. And your daughters shall be carried and nursed in the arms. Then you shall see and be radiant, and your heart shall thrill. And terrible, tremble with joy at the glorious deliverance. And be enlarged because the abundant wealth of the Dead Sea shall be turned to you. Unto you shall the nations come with their treasures. And that's a message to the church. But the time that that's going to happen is going to be in a great time of darkness. Okay, the next one. I put my word in you like charging a battery daily. You must make sure that you are fully charged daily so that you can shine brightly for the kingdom in every place you go. Stay plugged in to my word. <laughs> now, I didn't get a scripture for this one, but stay plugged in, charged like a battery. The thing with a battery is that it dissipates energy. And when that energy is dissipated, the battery is useless. 
It's just a heavy weight. When you are not spiritually fed, okay, when you are feeling weak spiritually and you need to pray, it's almost impossible, isn't it? You just can't pray the right things. God is saying, be plugged into my word at all times. Do not let your batteries go low. Daily charging. You put your phone in every day, plug yourself into the word every day. You're constantly watching your phone to see, is it 50%? Is it 20%? Have I got enough juice to get home? Similar, you've got to look after yourself spiritually. This is why the Lord brought this analogy, because he knew that we could all relate to it. Stay plugged in. Stay fully charged. Next one. Don't get involved and stop getting involved in situations that prevent my light in you from shining. Now, I had to think about this one. And I'm thinking, what situations is the Lord talking about? Well, what he's talking about is Christians behaving badly. Christians behaving so badly that they embarrass themselves in the workplace, even in church, so much so that they then can't give their testimony. Because everyone's going to say, hold on a minute, didn't you do that? Didn't you say that? But now you're telling me about Jesus. How does that work? Second Corinthians 4, 1-4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So you've got to protect yourself from the embarrassment so that you have a mouth to talk. Yeah? You'd be surprised who's watching you. That person in the office that seems so quiet, it's not really saying anything, but is listening, watching. I know somebody who we've known for, myself and my wife Tina, we've known for 20 years. Tina went, used to work with her daughter in Gaza St. Thomas's, and her mother has been watching us for years. And then one day, she sat in our kitchen and said she wanted Jesus. And she said to me, 
I want Jesus, but I'm, I'm from a Muslim cultural background. But I love Jesus. What do I do? Salvation. Just like that. But it wasn't down to some big ministry. It was down to her watching us over a period of time. But if you behave badly, if you embarrass yourself, if you behave like a wretched sinner, if you behave like the world, that can't happen. Right, next one. Command the darkness to flee every time you face opposition by declaring my word. It is like saying, let there be light, which then releases the creative power of the Holy Spirit into that situation. I almost gave a cheer when the Lord said this. Command the darkness to flee. Ring any bells? Devil, you and your darkness, in the name of Jesus, be gone. Every time you face opposition, this is what the Lord said, declare my word. And it will be just like saying, let there be light in dark places, releasing the creative power of the Holy Spirit into that situation. In Job 22, 28, it says this, You shall also decide and decree a thing, and it shall be established for you, and the light of God's favor shall shine upon your ways. Next one. Shine the light I have given you on each other, so that the darkness has to separate from my body. Shine the light on each other. That's just a beautiful way of putting it. The Lord is wanting us to be tender towards each other. Sharing our gifts and using our gifts first and foremost on the body of Christ. He wants darkness to separate from the body of Christ. This is the reason. You've got to think of it this way. If the body of Christ is incapacitated with sickness and all kinds of bondages, mental illness, poverty, what can it do? Separate darkness from my body. Shine the light I have given you on each other. Point your gifts at the body. Sing your songs in the church. Pay your offering, rich man. Pay your tithe, wealthy man. First and foremost, here, we need to be strong and healthy, fit and ready to go out there and lead the lost. But if we're carrying such impediments, 
There's no point us taking that gift out there when people need that gift. If it's a prophetic gift, if it's a teaching gift, if it's a healing gift, first and foremost, here. Romans 12, 4 to 8. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to say, there's a lot. Shine your light on each other. Okay, next one. You must hold true to the light and don't let any darkness dictate to your life. For my word is the guiding light for the direction of your life. I want my children to adjust their lives so that more light gets in. Light always exposes darkness. In the same scripture, which is Psalm 119-105, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God wants more light to get in to our lives. But the only way more light can get in is if we open ourselves to more of him, more of his word, more of each other's testimony. Iron sharpens iron. Don't let the darkness dictate to your life. It doesn't matter what's happening out there. Don't think because you see it out there, it's going to happen to you. Because your next door neighbor's car got broke into, you've now got to get the better insurance or more insurance. Because the house across the road got burgled, you've now got to fit all kinds of security devices and have all kinds of insurances. Don't let the darkness dictate what you do. In other words, don't go living in fear because fear is operating out there. The word of God will guide you, will bring direction to your life. Adjust your life. There might be some things you need to repent of. There might be some things you just need to stop doing. The light of God's word will always expose what it is. But if you're not looking in the word, if you're not opening the word, if you're not listening to the word, it can't expose your darkness. And if it can't expose your darkness, you won't be able to do anything about it. Every time the light of God, the word of God, exposes darkness in a Christian's life and they do something about it, guess what happens? He gets the glory. You have a testimony. The devil loses a foothold. And we all rejoice. Next one. Watch out. And beware of people who don't have any real understanding. Don't just follow them into the dark. Watch out for people who don't have any real understanding. We've got to be discerning in terms of the company that we keep. The Bible specifically says you will know them by their fruit. Now, I am talking about Christian company, but I'm talking about all kinds of company that you keep. It's really important 
that you make sure that if you're going to mix with people that, how can I put it, are not in faith, you're the one preaching to them about faith, not listening to their lack of faith. Don't follow others into darkness. You've got to watch out for it and beware of it. So you've got to think carefully about certain conversations that you're having on the telephone. You know the truth, but you're going to talk and discuss a pack of lies just to be making conversation. These little conversations, this is what God is talking about. Don't follow certain discussions. If you're not going to add light to it, don't be in it. All it does is it desensitizes you to darkness. Again, Hosea 4.6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now I had a, quite a few other points that the Lord made, but I didn't write them down, or I didn't put them on the overhead, because I said, if I don't have a scripture, I'm not going to bring it to the church. Because I said, well, if there's no scriptural basis for what I'm saying, how can I be sure? And this is another thing. Test everything. Everything that's said to you must line up with Scripture. It's very important that we live a life of examination. Examine what's said from the pulpit. Examine what you hear. Examine what you see on the internet. Examine yourself before God. God wants us to stay out of darkness. Number 19. Those who have a reprobate mind have accepted darkness as their light. In Titus 1, 15-16 says this, to the pure in heart and conscience, all things are pure. But to the defiled and corrupt and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Their very minds and consciences are defiled and polluted. They profess to know God, to recognize, perceive, and be acquainted with him, but deny and disown and renounce him by what they do. They are detestable and loathsome, unbelieving and disobedient and disloyal and rebellious, and they are unfit and worthless for good work, deed, and enterprise of any kind. Now, why did the Lord put this one in? It's possible for your mind 
to go a certain way. I'm talking about Christians now. Because of negative circumstances, because of the impact on certain things that happen in life, we can start to think a certain way. And it can bring a lot of dark thought, and it can bring a lot of darkness. And unchecked, your mind can get into a certain position. Those who have a reprobate mind have accepted darkness as their light. So it was offered to them, and they accepted it, and now call it their light. Lord, may we not fall into that. And then the final one, take heart, for my light always will overcome the darkness. Be of good cheer, for I have already overcome this world's darkness with my light. In John 16.33, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence in the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration but be of good cheer take courage be confident certain undaunted for i have overcome the world i have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you god has done it jesus has done it there's no doubt about that. But darkness is still manufactured on a daily basis. And this is the issue. God wasn't saying to me, your life is dark. He wasn't saying to me that the church is dark. He wasn't saying to me that you're completely filled with darkness. But what he was saying is that darkness is manufactured by action, by thought. The, the devil is deceiving and he's subtle. And without checking the words, staying fully plugged in, without keeping the right company, without watching and discerning, it's so easy for us to fall into that. Now, this is not designed to be a positive message, but it's an instruction. It's an instruction. So the Lord, when I was discussing, said a few other things. And I'm going to give you one of them. I didn't have a scripture for it, but I'm going to give you one of them. He said, get them off darkness and to focus on my light. Get them off darkness. Stop looking at it. Know it's there. Be aware of how he operates. Stop looking at it. Get them off darkness and focus on my light. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the light of your word. We thank you for the life-giving force that is Jesus Christ. 
We thank you that we are bathed and basking in light. We thank you that you are a sovereign God. You have no equal, you have no match. We thank you that there is nothing Satan can do to us without your permission. We thank you, Lord, that we have everything available, every instruction that we need in your word, and that your Holy Spirit leads us to all truth. Father, I come against every lie that Satan has propagated in the minds of your children. I destroy his voice. You are a liar and you are a thief. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to take up your full position as the revelator, the comforter, the one who brings instruction, the one that comes alongside. Lord, stir up the love of Jesus in the hearts of your children. Teach us how to lavish our gifts and our gifting on our brothers and our sisters. May darkness depart from the body of Christ. May we rise up truly as heirs. For we are seated together in Christ in heavenly places. We're far above all these powers, all these principalities, all these rulers, all this darkness. There is nothing that we cannot do. For we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Your word says you always lead us to triumph. May we triumph in our jobs, triumph in our marriages, triumph in our minds. I destroy the wickedness of depression and mental illness. You are darkness. You will not prevail. Satan, you will not prevail. For we overcome you by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. We testify that we have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. None of your weapons shall prosper against us. Every one of God's children in this place today is in his light your angelic host. Amass them, Lord, on every side. I call into order finances. I call into order bodily functions. I call into order thought processes. Every relationship that is godly. 
I silence the voice of the enemy from tormenting the people of God. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment, we prove it to be false. Your word says it's false. You are our sovereign God, and you have no match, and you have no equal. Since when did anything get past you without your permission? Lord, help us to reconnect with your word today. Fill us with revelation, O Holy Spirit. It is not possible for us to teach ourselves. We need you, Holy Spirit. Lead us into all truth. We believe you really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 